Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we've been talking about fluid thinking, conceptual thinking, and how to get out of some of these patterns that we have, where we end up thinking the same way over and over. A lot of times we have anxious patterns, the same thoughts keep on coming up again and again, and we get trapped. It's like a loop. Uh, we're just stuck in a loop that goes on playing forever. And anyone who's been anxious or has had thoughts that plague them probably knows what we're talking about, where you don't want to think about something maybe something happens at work and now you're afraid. You're afraid you made a mistake. You're afraid your job is at risk. You're afraid someone is going to sue you. And you know that you've done everything that you can do. Uh, You know that there's nothing to be gained by thinking about this and worrying about it, but you can't help yourself. You're pacing around. uh, You're worried uh, that you're going to lose your job. Uh, You're worried that you won't be able to feed your family. You start a Google search to calm yourself down. Uh, and you Google, okay, what happens to people who mess up at work? Do they get fired? And then you go into discussion groups and you read about different people's experiences and you keep on going down this rabbit hole and you keep on trying to to calm yourself down. But the more you do that, the more you end up thinking about the same thing. Now, the challenge with these sorts of patterns is, of course, it just uh, is a situation which is very uncomfortable it takes time, it takes energy, it puts us in an anxious state. And uh, that's somewhere we don't want to be. We want to clear these problems and move ahead so that we can be present. As we've talked about, being present is being alive. Life happens right now in the present. So the more we get stuck in these patterns and keep on going over the same ground again and again, the more we're not really living. Uh, So in a very real sense, uh, we want to have the fluidity to go from one moment to the next to the next. Uh, That's problem number one. Problem number two is that this sort of pattern takes a big toll on our health. And as we've been talking about offline, Z, a lot of the mental issues that people have, things like Parkinson's, things like Alzheimer's, dementia, it comes because we're stuck in our thinking. And we go through the same patterns again and again, and that leads to blockages in the brain. And those blockages lead to toxins that accumulate. And those toxins over time eventually take us out. So if we leave this stuff unchecked, over years and over decades of the same habits, our brains get clogged up and then they stop functioning properly. So we get to old age and suddenly we can't remember someone's name. Suddenly we forget who we are. Uh, We're in a state of decay. We're losing control over the basic functions of our body. And it's a very scary place to be. I think in the past, Z, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, people used to think that these were random things that happened. So yeah, someone has Alzheimer's and maybe it's genetic, maybe it's unfortunate, but what can you do about it? And the more that we learn about these diseases, the more that we learn it's under our control uh, to a large extent. So if we're able to change our habits, uh, the way that we approach different situations, the the way that we get stuck in our own mind, if we're able to extricate ourselves from that sticking point, get out of that rut. And you can think about a car. If we're stuck in a rut and the wheels keep on spinning and spinning, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of dirt and grime getting on the car. We want to be able to get out of that rut so we can flow smoothly through our life journey, get onto our destination, keep the car in good working order. 
uh, we need to learn how to do that so that we can protect ourselves. So that as we get older, we end up spending the last few years of our lives in a state where we're healthy and we're happy. I mean, after all, we spend so much time working and saving and taking care of our obligations. When we get to those twilight years, we want to discharge those obligations, maybe focus on ourselves, maybe retreat a bit from the world, maybe invest in our hobbies, invest in our own spiritual evolution. But if we're at a point where we can't function, that's disastrous. Uh, that's uh, the worst case scenario. So this fluid thinking becomes very important, being able to break these patterns, break these concepts, and really adapt. And in a way, Z, I would say mirror the nature of life, because life itself doesn't have a fixed pattern. You know, maybe there's similarities, but it's not the same routines occurring again and again. It's continuous innovation, continuous evolution. Uh, there's something very organic about it, and that's what defines life. Uh, when we see something which is the same thing over and over, it feels robotic. It doesn't feel alive. It doesn't feel human. So we want to be able to roll the same way as life is evolving and have that flexibility to approach things in different ways, to step out of the, the proverbial box, to adopt a different way of thinking, to check ourselves, to put problems aside and move on, and really have that nice fluid movement, uh, both in our actions and our thoughts. So that's the topic for today. Z, I want to kick it off. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this. Uh, I think it would be interesting to go into the science a little bit. If you could talk and just share with our audience why some of these anxious habits, these repetitive thought patterns end up leading to things like uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah, there's a, a lot of new research, um, just cutting edge research. There's also old research that has been going on for a real long, a good period of time that look at all of these maladies which we often mistakenly thought were inevitable with aging. Coming to find out, they found, first they found there were certain personality types that were more susceptible to these diseases than not. At the other end, they looked at autopsies of people's brains. They did brain biopsies and things like that uh, post-mortem and they looked at people's brains and they found people that had all the same diseases that or, or, or brain anomalies that would point to uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, but they were asymptomatic throughout their life. They didn't really show signs of that. And what the brain, those brains had done is found a way to work around that particular congested area. Like I was describing, Caitlin, imagine there's construction work going on the main street and you know the city well enough and you know another way around it. You know what back roads to take to get to your objective. What if you didn't train your brain to navigate around? What if you never really worked on creative thinking? What if you never really studied a lot and found other ways of looking at things? Well, that organism has never been trained to seek out another way around another path to follow to get to where you want to be. And so thus, it gets stuck right there. So you get the kind of repeat, the memory loss, the repetition of actions, um, the kind of Groundhog Day phenomena that you see in people. They said that they also found that people early in life set themselves up for these diseases by not being well-read, not being challenged intellectually, not being um, in positions where they had to overcome difficulties. So not when you're overcoming a difficulty, a challenge, 
That's a brain function. That's not a body function. That's a brain function. How do I navigate this breakup? Are there different ways to navigate this being fired? Is there another way to navigate the rejection from a, a, a job I wanted or rejected from a person I was fond of? Or is there another way to deal with what I'm feeling about a particular event or incident in my life? And many people don't know how. They have a switch, on or off. I'm happy, I'm mad. Under this, you do this, and I'm happy, this, I'm mad. There's no ability to vary. There's no ability to seek out the back road to that experience. And thus, when that stress has accumulated in the brain over a lifetime, it hits a, a break point where you actually have a roadblock in your brain. And then it starts consuming that area of your brain, deforming that area of your brain, the only part you use and you no longer can function. So mind you, there are people who show the um, beta amyloid damage to the brain and all these other kinds of things, these bundles of, 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 of neuronal pathways and things that are jumbled up and they, they're able to function normally. There are people who have had their whole um, um, corpus, corpus callostrum removed from the brain, all the white matter to stop seizures, and they're still able to function on an extraordinarily high level, actually graduating from the top schools in the nation and being able to function. The brain is highly plastic, highly um, uh, modelable, but the brain takes instructions from other parts of the brain, which is you your essence, your soul, your limbic body. So we make a choice every day to place demands and requisitions upon our mind. We were speaking earlier about anxiety is actually a disease, unchecked anxiety. So let's go over that real quick, Vin, with everybody. I want all the opt-outs to remember so we're not wondering where, our children aren't wondering where to house us, we're not dripping, we're sitting around slobbering, walking down Fifth Avenue butt naked for no good reason. Okay, if you're gonna walk down Fifth Avenue butt naked, hopefully everybody's butt naked and it won't be a problem. But if you're the only one at the, at the nudie party, that's bad. So we talked about anxiety and, and again, opt-outs know we have a certain uh, vocabulary, a certain way we speak. Anxiety, over-mindful of the past and dreading the future. The greatest advocates of stress are a sense of loss of control, uncertainty, and unpredictability in your life. So that is one of the things that causes the most toxic stress in your body. It's things that are suddenly changing, unpredictability, and a sense of loss of control or agency over a situation, time, place, or interaction. Right? I have, I'm, in, I'm in a plane. It's just diving through the air. There's no pilot. Right? There's uncertainty. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm worried about the outcome of something. Um, when you think about other ways in which we trigger that toxic stress, we believe we're in control of something and we end up not being in control of that. Or we lose control. That's where you see the stress of relationships. I thought I had this under control and I don't, right? So that creates toxic stress. Then along with that toxic stress, comes anxiety and um, you, you get this anxiety, this overwhelming anxiety and, and you start fearing what's going to happen, what did happen and you're no longer present. So that's putting your breath, overheating your brain. Honestly, 
that's overheating your brain. And then it creates these um, explosions of neurochemistry that create damage to the neural pathways in your brain. And you'll typically use neural pathways that you are, are part of a habit, right? Um, and, and, and that's where you're going to see that you're going to start having problems in your 40s, 50s. I mean, people as young as 30 are having strokes and having um, acute radiological syndrome where the demyelination of the brain is happening because a lot of them are doing the different drugs and stuff that push that forward. Like when they're doing the fentanyl, they're doing all that. Uh, they're doing whatever weird drugs, the, the molly and all that. What, what are the drugs you guys do, Caitlin? The molly and all this other kind of stuff. They have all kind of names. The, the Queen Elizabeth. Whatever, whatever these drugs you guys are using creates the, the demyelinization of the white matter of the brain, which also resembles stroke. The quakes, the shakings, the inability to sleep, the inability to rest, um, the inability to keep a, a coherent idea or thought. You see that a lot. So you're guaranteed that you will have dementia. That guarantees you dementia. And, and until it's debilitating at a relatively early part of your 50s or 60s, and you're pretty much are going to go on and pass away uh, as you see people due to injure self-injury or something like that, the inability to take care of yourself. It's pretty nightmarish. But the beauty of it is you can affect that. Remember, you can have all this brain damage and be asymptomatic if you have the adaptability methodology already instilled in your intellect. This isn't working, let me try something else. This is too much, let's do it another way. Let's take the long way home, okay? It's okay to take the long way home, all right? And so what you might notice is a delay in uh, memory modeling or extracting. It's not that it's not there, it's just on a different route that's a little longer than the old route that's damaged, blown out. With anxiety, um, ideally, you put forth rituals that help you take another path through your normal anxiety model. We were talking early, Vin, about our upbringings. Different people have different upbringings. So I have an upbringing that had a lot of uh, challenges and so forth. So I tend to catastrophize events, right? Things aren't going a certain way. I expect the worst case of situation of people, everything. So once I discovered that I was catastrophizing through a lot of introspection and self-work and reflection and counseling, I try not to catastrophize. I try to go into a meditation and figure out ways of remedying a situation that may not be the way that I normally do it. I was going through something here where people weren't paying their bill, right? And it got really bad. It's one of the really challenges of being a single provider bill and being a heart-centered business because money has no heart. So I often say people, mistakenly, I'm going to stop saying it, I don't like to deal with money issues with you. I have somebody who does that. But the minute you tell people that, I found that they then give you money problems. So I'm going to stop saying that because that creates a problem. I kind of want to get to the point where Caitlin and, and Sleuth are real good at saying, fuck you, pay me. They're real good at that. And I used to, I was raised, as I said with Vin, to be a soldier, to, to be one of the uncorruptibles. There is no amount of money you can give me to betray people that I love and trust. Other people have a price on it. Most people have a number for betrayal. 
I was, I was conditioned not to have that because I was born into a revolutionary uh, culture that was fighting revolution, freedom struggles, guerrilla warfare, where being able to trust an individual had, was priceless. And people without thinking knew that that person could be trusted and counted on to their last best measure. That doesn't work in the world we live in now. It doesn't, isn't pro So their people have a price on their kids. So if, if one of the people who are part of the MAP community, minor attracted persons, comes and you say, hey, I like your child. Uh, how much for your child? You say, oh, I wouldn't sell my baby to some pervert. Say, how about if I give you a million dollars? Then you start thinking about it. Now we're in a bidding war. So whatever parental affections you had for that child has a price, right? But there are people that don't have a price. We talk about that all the time. I talk about your DBT, right? Your dead body in the trunk, friend. They will spend jail time for you. They will not give you up. That's a very rare person. There's nothing that you could do or pay them. They would, be, they would get tortured and not say anything. They would not flip on you. They would not betray you. They would not um, screw your spouse or all these things you hear about in, in, in media and the news. So you have a few people who, for whatever reason, their value system cannot be monetized. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just the way it is. You have other people that everything has a price. Uh, I recall this movie years ago um, that was called uh, something about uh, this guy wanted to sleep with a wife uh, for a certain amount of money. What was that movie called? It's like this dude said, "Give you a million dollars, let me sleep with your wife." Oh, an indecent proposal. Indecent proposal, right? So their number was a million dollars. Some people in that situation, a lot less. I think there was a guy who sold his daughter the other day for $2,500. So the indecent proposal model. There are some people that that doesn't, they don't fall into that. They, there is no price. Um, and so you have to be raised that way from a very early age. Just like the other one is kind of normal. To sell people out is normal. To betray people for benefit to yourself is normal. Some people, it's not even money. Some people, it's like status, social status, just to belittle or demean another person. And, and so we have different ways in which we model. And this goes back to the anxiety thing. If you always are knowing that your value, your price is going up or down, that the worth of you can be traded or, or, or it's on some sort of monetary scale, you're always worried. You're always in a hyper alert state. That wreaks havoc on your brain. That wreaks havoc, not only that, it wreaks havoc on your immune system. Your immune system shuts down from stress. So for those of us who opt out, we understand the workings of the being, the multi and dynamic layers of a human being. And by knowing this, we can adjust. We can make adjustments. Maybe you're sitting with somebody right now who could sell you out, right? Do you jump up and storm out the door and you hate for it? No, you just accept that, navigate around it, and deal with them to the level you can deal with them. And trust them with what you can trust with them. 
expect from them what they are, their potential is, not what you want them to do. And then you can be in harmony because harmony is very important in resolving anxiety. Having harmony in the mind, harmony in the being, harmony in your way of life goes a long way, for example, uh, to, to deal with the ravages of anxiety because when you encounter that building, that, that over-mindfulness of the past, you can say to yourself, water under the bridge, spilled milk, nothing I could do about yesterday. Tomorrow's coming, nothing I could do, I'm okay right now, and I'm going to work with that. So you want to get into that place and train your brain to do it. So as you age and as you accumulate more of these blockages and, and, and roadblocks in the brain, which could be in the tens of thousands, your brain knew that mechanism, that organism knows how to navigate around stressful objects, stressful artifices. You can do it and you can live that healthy, long life. Your kids aren't wondering where to put you. The baby diapers aren't delivered to your house every Wednesday, whatever the problem is. Uh, I have a dear friend um, whose mother's going through dementia. And it's almost giving him dementia watching his mom go through it. And, and, and I mentioned it before. I knew his mom as a kid. She was one of, these, uh, one, of the, one of the ladies in the neighborhood that was so pretty. All the little boys would do favor for her and watch her and do all this kind of stuff. Anything she wanted, we'd wash her car just to be near her and things like that. And she, but she always had a certain feature in her personality that would now come back to haunt her. So she's not a good listener. She's not compliant. So my dear friend has to fly to the other side of the United States once a week to deal with some disaster of his mother. And he said the other night, very sadly, I think she has about a year left. My mom's got about a year. The siblings, of course, are in complete denial. Ma's fine. Yes, she's always been that way, but that doesn't work in your 80s. You can't be stubborn, defiant in your 80s, turning on all the gas, water's running, uh, the, the, you're leaving the bathtub on, uh, forgetting to change your clothes. You can't do that. You can't do that. Um, so we don't want to do that to people that, are, that love us. We want to be sound. We want to hit 99, when in a spell and be, and when it's time to cut off the lights, we just cut off the lights and say, glad you, glad to have had your company. You follow me, Vin? Az, when I'm listening to you speak, I'm getting this image of a wire, and it's kind of like you put too much current through the wire, and the thing overheats, and eventually the whole system bursts into flames. And to me, that's the same thing that we do with thinking. If we get into these repetitive thought patterns, it's just the same path that we go on over and over again. Eventually, things overheat, they get tangled up, maybe the neurons and the connections get fused together, and ultimately, you can't function. I thought what you said was very interesting, that people who've got damage to the brain can actually work around it because the brain is highly flexible. So even if you've overused certain, certain ways of thinking, certain mental conduits, you can find workarounds. You can tap into different ways of thinking. You can bypass, uh, like a circuit. Uh, you, you can go around a particular connection, forge a new connection, which is incredible if you think about it, uh, just the adaptability of uh, the brain and the fact that not just that it's adaptable, but we can retrain it You know, through conscious intention. We can change those thought patterns and we can take a system that's not functioning and we can bring it back to some level of health. Um, 
So I think all of that, you know, on the one hand, it's a little bit alarming because I feel like in today's day and age, there are so many repetitive thought patterns. You've got just the basic anxiety, uh, the mindless worries, the dramas that we keep on going through, uh, the same negative thoughts that accumulate. Uh, people get into body image issues or they feel bad about themselves or they get into relative comparison and they wonder, why does everyone else have everything and I've got nothing? So there are the patterns that come from entitlement, that come from fear. There are also the physical habits that we have. I mean, right now, we carry around a built-in anxiety device. We've got a cell phone. And you think about how often we're checking that phone. I think the average number of times we check a cell phone is something like 200 per day. So we're always picking it up. I mean, how much are we burning ourselves out or burning and imprinting that same pathway in the brain to pick it up and look at useless information, uh, whether we're looking at text or we're looking at stock market quotes or we're just scrolling through Apple News and we're looking for updates or we're going through Twitter, we're going through these cycles of outrage. Just the technology itself has hijacked us to a point where we're probably burning out certain parts of our cognitive functioning. So when you think about that, on the one hand, that's, that's horrifying. And it maybe explains what you're talking about, which is that we're seeing mental illness at a younger and younger age. And then, of course, drugs, as you mentioned, Z, exacerbate that. Uh, so you put all of these things together and diseases that used to happen in your 60s and 70s, now it's happening in your 40s and 50s, maybe in some cases even in your 30s. So that's very scary. I would say the flip side of that, which is encouraging, is the adaptability of the brain and the way that we can modify our own behavior, change the, actually create new physical connections in the brain just through conscious intention. So we can override some of these patterns that we have, and, and maybe override is the wrong word, but we can build new habits. We can walk away. Uh, so if we've taken a path, or you can think about it as a bridge, you walk over a bridge, and you walk over it so many times that this thing is falling apart, and you may fall into a ravine. Instead of going over that bridge again, you build a new bridge, or uh, you walk around and you find some other path to get to your destination. We have that flexibility. And I think the nice thing about that, the more fluid that we are, of course, we avoid the anxiety, we avoid all of the problems that you've talked about, Z. But aside from the obvious health issues, it just takes a lot less energy uh, because we're not stuck in a certain way of thinking and we're not almost adapting the world and adapting the way that we perceive the world to fit our particular biases. So if we think of ourselves in a certain way, or it, we, you'd mentioned this example earlier today, when we're talking about media, because we're building out Dharma media, you were talking about the power of media, you were talking about Fox News versus CNN, the fact that Fox News just had a settlement for three quarters of a billion dollars because they were spreading all of this misinformation about the voting machines. And so they settled that lawsuit. But if you're watching Fox News, you don't even know that that settlement happened. You know, the biggest settlement ever for defamation. And you're not even aware of it because the media that you're plugged into isn't reporting that, and it's giving you a certain view of the world. And then it becomes very uncomfortable to deviate from that point of view. And that's where we get into tribalism, where people end up defending all kinds of bizarre behavior. And you might even engage in bizarre behavior. You might engage in things that are unhealthy, uh, just because it's less effort to do that than to think in a different way, which is incredible. You think about that for a second. 
it's less effort to continue hanging out with unhealthy people and talk about all of your problems and how hard it is to get old than to think differently and say, you know what, maybe age isn't my problem. Maybe I can take charge of my own health. Uh, or if you've got an idea about life and you think that you're a victim and you're stuck in the same job, you're stuck in the same relationship. In fact, I was having this discussion with another friend of mine today. It's easier to stay in that rut and not take agency, not be in charge of your own life and your own destiny, to give up all possibility of improving your situation because the alternative is too scary. The alternative is admitting that maybe you're the one that's at fault. Maybe you've got some control. Maybe you've got some part in whatever situation you've ended up in. Uh, no, that's, that's too hard to think about. I'd rather stick with the familiar pattern. And because of that, I'm consigning myself to failure and pain. And so you give up the opportunity to do things better uh, when you're stuck in the same mode of thinking. Uh, you give up the opportunity to innovate, to learn. I mean, that's been one of the most interesting things about the music, about working with you. It gives me a different view of the world. It gives me a different way of thinking. I mean, I'm, I've been trained to think in a very linear fashion, uh, very much breaking things down into boxes and explaining things systematically. But there are other ways of conveying information. There are stories, there are images, there are narratives. And a lot of times these are more effective. Not always. I mean, it depends on the situation. But now that I've got that in my toolkit, I can communicate more effectively. I don't have to understand every last detail. I can also take in information better because I'm not trying to fit it into these little mental boxes. I can rely more on my intuition. And that frees me up to go through life in a different way. So when we have that fluidity, I think it helps us in so many different ways. You know, it's less energy, it's less anxiety, less chance, as you're saying, Z, of living in diapers and having your kids ship you off to some old folks' home, uh, more of an ability to take charge of your life, more of an ability to learn, uh, to come up with innovative ways of interacting with other people, of building businesses, of building new skill sets. Um, it just feels better. I think a lot of it is you feel more free. And I, I kind of go back to Buddhism. We talk about Buddhism a lot, but Buddhism nails this point because it talks about how pain comes from attachment. And that attachment, a lot of the attachment is to fixed ideas. You know, this is the way that my life has to turn out. And if it doesn't turn out this way, if I can't get this perfect image in my mind to materialize in reality, and I can't get my kids into the right school or live in the right neighborhood or get the right job, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart. And then I spend all my time and effort trying to convince myself that things are okay. And it's like you're walking around being crushed by the burden of all this mental processing. But if you're able to leave that behind and say, you know what, there are different ways of living. However things turn out, I can adapt, I can be fluid, I can evolve, I can find something that works for me, then suddenly you're free. You know, you're not attached to the sense that things have to work out in a particular way. And it gives you the freedom to do things a lot differently, to move in surprising ways. Uh, so instead of going from A to B to C, maybe you jump from A to M to Z, and you do things a lot faster, and you're able to succeed a lot more quickly, perhaps not in the way that you expected, but you're able to find a path that works. And in fact, uh, I'm getting a little worked up talking about the Z, but I think about entrepreneurs and people who built successful businesses Almost all of them, the examples I've seen of success come from people who started with an idea and at some point had to pivot. So whatever idea they started with, either it was the wrong idea and they randomly came across something else and they had the presence and 
the uh, the uh, openness to say, okay, maybe there's a different way of doing things, or they modify the idea and they try different things, but they end up in totally different places than they expected, but they're very successful. Uh, so I've got a friend, for example, he started a consulting business. He was working with small businesses. He was uh, trying to help them get their financials in shape and their operations in shape. And he did this after graduating in 2001. And the market wasn't great at that time because the economy was going downhill. We were going through a recession and the whole tech uh, collapse that we saw in 2001. So he was getting along, but he was sort of stumbling. And then he happened to do a course. Uh, he did a lecture with a professor that he had, uh, this professor from a law school. And they did a course together teaching corporate finance to lawyers. And they got such rave reviews that he turned his entire business into that. It didn't happen overnight, but he started moving in that direction. And he came out with all this content, teaching finance to lawyers. Turned out there weren't people doing that. And he built this whole education company, which he sold years later. Uh, so that's an example of taking things in a different direction. Um, but if you didn't have that openness, and it's kind of like, no, I got to do things this way, I got to do things my way, then you're consigning yourself to failure. And you don't have that ability to learn and keep on innovating. Uh, so, it, as we're talking about the Z, I think that having that openness is critical. I mean, not just for our health, but uh, to navigate life successfully, to get through life with minimal energy, maximal gain. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how to cultivate that. I mean, if we're in a world where the default is to go to these patterns, go to the same dramas, be stuck with the same groups, talk about the same things, we've got the same anxious habits, we've got the same technology habits. We've got the same routines. How do we start breaking out of that and start cultivating more of this mental fluidity? And I, I think that goes into the quantum realm, more of our what some people refer to as spiritual realm, which I don't really like to use the word spiritual. Uh, for my reason for it doesn't mean that everybody else's reason. It has the connotations of religious or religiosity. And I'm not a big fan of, of dogma of religion, but I do love the quantum nature of being which is the unexplainable, the intangible, the infinite, the eternal. Um, if you have rituals that help you philosophically, an example of that is setting up your altar with reminders of the, of the higher path, of the middle path. Reading cones, Zen cones, that help break you from conceptual thinking being locked into one way of thinking, having the quick answer for something that is infinitely complex. We talked a long time ago about two basic cones. What is the sound of one hand clapping? We've gone over that before. And just to review, you sit with somebody, you say, what is the sound of one hand clapping? What is the sound of one hand clapping? People will say, right, most people say no sound at all. That wasn't the question wasn't two hands clapping, it was one hand clapping. But your concept of clapping is two hands. So you just can't go, you're just stuck. You're just stuck on that road. And that's really a metaphor about breaking that habit of just hitting the same wall, going down the same dead end road over and over and over and over again, repeating something over and over again, hoping it'll have a different outcome, right? So. When you master that, then you go on to, if a tree falls in the wood, does it make a sound? 
social media has exposed that whole thing. That's that it, you. We've answered that cone. Don't look at it. It won't bother you. Don't get caught up in it, and you you're in yourself. Don't watch these news stations and go and attack the White House. Don't start accepting weird social behavior that doesn't feel right to you. If it doesn't feel right, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't add up to one plus one is two. It doesn't make sense. Don't try to make sense of it. That tree falls in the wood. Don't listen to it. People come in. Often I run into people and they're caught up in a lot of the new word salad. We lost. We, no, we lost Ben. No, that's smooth. Oh, okay. Oh, you made it. Oh. Oh, you had your keys. Okay, good. Do they work? And they work. Wait, I lost Vin. I lost you for a minute. Yeah. We're back. But I was saying, and, 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 and if, if you, when you think about that cone, where it takes you and you start to meditate on it, you're hearing a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. Let's say you heard certain things a few years ago, and it doesn't make sense. Now, all of a sudden, you're arguing that that same thing makes sense. That's because you've been in the woods with those trees. Get out of the woods. It's a safe place to be. If you see that the trees are so diseased, they're just falling, you're hearing all these trees falling, like a horror movie, get out of the woods. So when people come to you with these bizarre word salads, find a way to escape. Withdraw yourself and find people that get it, right? Because nature, the observation of nature, and again, physics is the study of natural phenomena. When you hear this stuff, don't get in arguments. Don't get in line struggles with people. Don't argue with emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually disturbed people and try to make sense of it. You cannot make sense of the unsensible. You will not change people's minds if they're attached emotionally to an idea that is not founded on physics. This whole idea of everybody being offended, being triggered, that everybody gets a trophy, this is, this is unnatural according to physics. I'm not saying according to my morality. So we look at topics of the day and, and we tremble because we can't talk about things. Talk about them, but do it discriminately. Be around people that share your view. Don't be afraid of rejection. You're only gonna have a few friends in your life anyway then what you want to do is you, you expand your community through ideas, through common notions, shared ideologies, okay? And then you expand that. If their shared ideology is to gain knowledge and wisdom, then that's a good community to be in, ever-growing, ever-evolving and thinking. But also that thinking, as you said, in the beginning is founded in physics. If I have one egg and I get another egg, I have two eggs. One plus one is two. They're saying now that's not the case. I just saw somebody discussing how two plus two wasn't four. 
And I was Are you sure you didn't just read 1984? No, they're they're doing it now. They're actually doing it. Someone said math could be racist or something like that. And I was like, wow. I thought math was supposed to be like math. The universal code because it's just It's math. But now they've added word salad to it. Because some people aren't as good as math as others. So they've added word salad to it to make sure everybody's good at math. So whatever you come up with is okay. You see the problem with that? And then they use the term racist to mean anything. I heard somebody said they were racist against Christians. I thought Christianity was a religion and not a race. Race is an artificial construct. So they've added religion to race? Right? So that's what, just like you just shook your head, no. All of us should do a Caitlin no. She just kind of turns her head left to right. Everybody practice that. That means no. That's the universal opt out. Nah. That's right. That's the universal. Say it again, Caitlin. I don't want to begin to understand that. There you go. So that's. Because I want to preserve my mind. I don't see this will cause problems because not only are you hitting a roadblock, but you're dancing in it now. You're bathing in the sewage of it. So, as we preserve our mind, you want to preserve the line of reasoning and preserve the integrity of thought. Have healthy thinking. And if you don't know how to do that, go to source thinking. Uh, Buddhism is a great practice. Taoism, aspects of Hinduism, certain aspects of Sufism. And why I don't mention the great Abrahamic beliefs is not because they don't have good ideas, but the practitioners of it are poor examples. That's all. They're very poor examples. I told you the story. I got his book. The one saintly Christian dude I knew became religious because he killed his wife. But a lot of people didn't like the guy because of what he did in the past, but he was actually a a saintly person. And um, we want to just do it without label. So if you go to the classics, the foundational thinking of human, it helps develop that situational algebra we need to prevent health issues throughout our life. You have a lot of mental health issues, and they are most of them are rooted in entitlement. So a lot of people are going crazy because they had a neural pathway of entitlement. And when they got into the world, they realized that because of... Uh, a moment of lust and a whim of faith, they became here that they're not entitled to anything. So if you listen to a lot of these mental health cries for help, it's entitlement. I was supposed to get a gift card and I didn't get it. I was owed a gift card. I was owed something and I didn't get it. Now I'm, I keep crashing into that, that dead end street and I've demolished my vehicle. How about go another way, go around entitlement, work for something, earn something, work on that. It's a longer way around, but you won't suffer mental disease. So for us who are opting out, let's be careful when people automatically say they're mentally going through whatever there is and they they name their malady. Like nowadays, you run into people, they just name their malady, what spectrum of something they're on, Look, they say all these kids are on the spectrum of autism. I went to a place, there were these kids, the guy was explaining to me that his child was on a spectrum. I said, spectrum of what? Well, he's on the spectrum. So on the spectrum of what? You see how we're talking now? 
I start hanging out with a kid. I said, just a regular kid. Kind of weird, kind of an asshole, but he's okay. He, he, certain things, we, we found certain topics we could get. Nothing was wrong with the kid, nothing. He was a child. He doesn't have a prefrontal lobe. So you're already ingraining in him that he's unique, special. See, we used to have special ed, and you had to be like slobbering with a helmet on to get in special ed, right? I got a special ed kid, all right? That's special ed, okay? Not if you're on the spectrum. This kid's having normal conversations with me, figuring stuff out. But the parents had the problem. They were fighting each other. They, and so the kid yells and screams and, and smashes his head because he's tired of his mom and dad fighting. They take him to a therapist, give him medication. He's on the spectrum. See the word salad? Don't eat the salad. Right? Don't do open bar salads at, at, at Carl's Jr.'s. Okay? You'll probably get sick with E. coli or something. But don't eat the word salad of these people. So as we opt out, we want to preserve the health of our brain. As we age, we want to fade out gracefully. We don't, I, I just don't want to do the thing where we are trying to figure out where to park me. Happy Acres, you know, senior home or something. I ain't doing that. You won't find me at Happy Acres Senior Home. I might be there for a day before you you know, burn my body, but that's kind of it, why they're getting, getting the funeral pyre ready. But I, I just don't want to do that to my friends and family. Either. You know what I mean, Vin? Yeah, of course. No one wants to go out like that. I mean, the irony of that kind of place is horrific. You go to Happy Acres, and it's just a depressing place <laughs> where people are... You talk about helmets and slobbering. It's like you come full circle. You're back to helmets and slobbering. You got no consciousness. You're just wheeled around until you die. Yeah, yeah, of course, uh, we, we don't want to end up in that state. So you mentioned some interesting things. You mentioned the cones uh, as non-conceptual exercises. You mentioned the entitlement and rejecting entitlement. I'll just add my two cents. I found for me meditation is very useful because a lot of these pathways that we create, the, the habits that we create, the repetitive behaviors, they become so ingrained that it's almost like a subconscious energy which is pulling us in a particular direction. I think about this most with the cell phone. I mean, sometimes I'm standing around and if you're not doing anything, it's like your hand is involuntarily reaching for your phone or you're standing in front of an elevator waiting. Oh my God, I got three seconds and I don't know what to do. Let me quickly take out my phone and look at something completely useless that does absolutely nothing for me, but it's my habit, and everyone else is on the cell phone. And so you got that. You got the the need to constantly do something. The more general sense of urgency, maybe that's another pattern. And it can it, perhaps not even about anything specific, but just the need to go, 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 to go from one thing to the next. And uh, you see people who've got nervous energy, and they're just looking for something to do, and they're pacing around. And it becomes very unsettling to be around because they're getting worked up. And it's like you just want to tell them, just stop moving around. You're making me nervous. <laughs> You're making me go crazy. I can't deal with you pacing around all the time. Uh, just settle down. Settle the mind. And so I found meditation very useful to settle the mind and break some of those patterns. You know, it's like what's going to break that pull on our psyche and when you're able to calm down, you're able to start breathing, which uh, starts to relax the entire system. 
I feel it's like one of those snow globes where you tr you shake up the snow globe and then you turn it over and you can see the different pieces gradually settling down at the bottom. And after a while, they all settle down. You got some clarity. You don't have the impulse to run in one direction or the other. You don't have the frantic search for, oh my God, what's the next thing to hold on to? What's the next thing that I have to do? Even worse than that, what's the next thing that I have to worry about? Because I've got to be in some state of something all the time. Uh, so that practice for me has been very useful. Some of the, the physical practices that we talk about uh, or that we advocate at Dharma Health, uh, the yoga, the Tai Chi, those are other things that get you to focus, get you to be in the moment, bring your attention back to the here and now. Uh, so I would say in addition to some of the mental exercises, um, or maybe uh, you could call meditation a mental exercise, but uh, call it in addition to what you mentioned, Z, uh, having some of these practices to really ground ourselves, to settle the dust, uh, settle the mind, I, I find very useful. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that. I know it's all, those are all good things. And I would say meditation, even according to science, people who meditate are less likely to have these types of diseases. Managing our stress is very important, and also know the um, the alliance that stress has with sometimes with our smart device or with too much information coming in, the allies that come together to undermine us. And again, we want to have control over it. Look, all the technology is great. Technology is very useful if we use it and it doesn't use us. So I, I don't want to be some anti-tech person, but I do know that we have a brain that was designed to allow us to adapt and survive to our environment that is being hijacked by technology and for nefarious reasons. Again, I'm not into conspiracy theories or anything. It's just a lot of this is organic. I got this, there's this thing called chat GTP. So I'm interested in tech, so I download the chat GTP, asking a few questions, it's kind of stupid. So I, I, I try to trick it, so I'm a boomer, right? So I know stuff that they haven't put on the internet. There's still things, and it's harvesting, and it, it, once you tell it, it starts researching that thing. But a lot of stuff was written down a long time ago, like people wrote things down, so it's not necessarily in a wide public domain record. But I found out the thing listens to you, and it hijacks your camera and watches you. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I had to turn that thing off because it was watching me, and so I'm, I'm like, uh, I always complain that my wife is always running around busy. I'm not getting enough sex, something like that. I'm complaining about it. So this thing must have heard me. And I said hi to my wife. It says, you're alone, masturbate. I said, what the hell? This, it, and I, I checked it again. Have you seen it do that? No. It starts giving you suggestions. Oh. Hydrate and masturbate. I'm like, oh, no, I got to turn this thing off. I don't know if anything has seen this. So this is now we're in another level of the I matrix. Never downloaded it on yeah, don't don't do it. So I'm I, I have it, and it is the matrix. So if you look at that movie, The Matrix, and he's snatching wires out of himself, that's what we're doing now with technology. It is unbelievable what this thing can do. But it hijacks your camera, your microphone. It's 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 building an algorithm about things going on in your house. You know, uh, it reminded me of some alarm when I told my kids had been on the iPad for too long. So this is all up in my business. It's all up in my business. 
some robot. Didn't we see a thing today, Caitlin, of a couple busted the other one doing virtual something? Oh, yeah, you've shown me that video. She was doing a virtual reality. She was cheating on him in virtual reality. Yeah. Using all the... So this is completely hijacked human relationships. So you're going to get to the point where... What's it going to... You're going to get to the point where the tools in your brain of navigating human interaction are no longer there. And it's going to be telling you how to interact. But to whose benefit? I'd rather do my own thing. And then your brain dissolves. Because if we don't exercise the brain, if we don't develop those neural pathways in the brain, if we don't work on neural packeting, the proper healthy neuronal packeting in exercise, movement, then we lose all of that. It's just a mush bucket up there. And you're seeing it more and more with people. You're seeing it with road rage and violence. That's the first thing, because, because we don't have a healthy prefrontal cortex that deals with deductive reason executive function. There's been, what, four killings of people simply going down the wrong driveway or, or knocking on a neighbor's door. This isn't, this isn't an, uh, an anomaly. This is an inevitable consequence of what's going on. Our behavior is getting real weird. And then through the streams of information, this whole idea of a kind of moral compass has gone away. So let us focus, withdraw, do our meditation, master anxiety through ritual, mantra, and tantra, and uh, yantra. Study well about your health and your brain, and then actualize it. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, you want to be a master of yourself. You don't want to take directions from ChatGPT and master bait. So I think that's the distinction, Z, that, <laughs> that, that we can close on. <laughs> be the one to master yourself. All right. Good thing. Good talking to you. i talk to you next week. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.